If you looked at your calendar, we are less than eight weeks from Christmas. Yes, Saturday, yesterday, eight weeks from yesterday is now Christmas. Over the next few weeks, people will be frantically looking for presents. They'll be uh, wondering about the supply chain as they think about Amazon and they think about FedEx and UPS and USPS and how am I going to get my packages here and all of those kinds of things. And there'll be the decorations and there'll be all of the hoopla that comes with the celebration of the first coming of Jesus. And we should celebrate that Jesus has come, but sometimes we forget Jesus is coming again, and we need to be ready for his second coming. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to pick up today in verse number 13, verse number 13. Jesus' coming really does matter. 1 Thessalonians four thirteen. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And with that, let's pray. God, I ask that you would speak and that, uh, Lord, we'd be ready as we think of this next occasion that could come at any time. We pray that we would be ready. Father, if there's a man or a woman or a student here today that doesn't know Jesus and they're not certain that they're ready, I pray today that uh, the truth of who you are would enlighten their mind and their heart and that they would come to Jesus in salvation. You, we recognize, Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. In your name, amen. People always want to know about the future. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the future. The church at Thessalonica was wondering probably the same thing. They had heard about Jesus and Jesus. He came the first time. They knew that. He died and on the cross and rose again, and they had received Jesus for salvation. But what about Jesus coming again? And where does that figure into this? And their big question was, what about those believers who have died? What's going to happen to them when Jesus comes again? So Paul is beginning to explain the truth of what is going to happen in the future as we think about Jesus and his return. And what Paul drives home to us is he shows us that Jesus' life really does matter, that Jesus' coming really does matter, and that Jesus' presence for eternity can be something that we're certain of and can be assured of in our life. As we think about Paul, he is sharing about a 
future calendar event. This future calendar event is going to be when the Lord Jesus himself descends from heaven on a cloud. And as he descends from heaven on a cloud, the Bible tells us in uh, verses 15 and 16 that, that uh, those who are asleep in Jesus, those who are dead, are going to be resurrected out of their graves. And those who are living and are remaining at that moment are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now there's questions about when this is going to happen, but the truth of this is really laid out for us very clearly in scripture. Now there are those and there are two main thoughts about when is this going to happen. The first thought is this, that there is going to be what is called the rapture of the church. That is, the believers who are died are going to be resurrected and living believers are going to be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is going to happen before the seven-year tribulation period that is described in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. There are those that believe that that before the the tribulation period comes when God begins to pour out his judgment upon the earth and God begins to recall Israel to himself that there is going to be this mass evacuation of believers from planet earth. There are others who believe that the church will go through the time of tribulation and at the end of the tribulation period that there will be this calling away that those who are dead in Christ are going to rise, those who are alive in Christ are going to be uh, raptured and that they're going to go meet the Lord in the clouds and they're going to meet the Lord on his way down with his second coming to usher in his kingdom. There are two different thoughts. We, we uh, have lots of good scholars on either side. I will just tell you, I believe the former, that the church will have this experience of resurrection and rapture before the tribulation period. But I will say this, I say that because I want to be ready at any moment. I, I want to be ready at any time. Because I don't believe that there's anything that has to get ticked off a prophetic calendar, clicked off, marked off, in order for this event to take place. But First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who, are, who have died in Jesus, but I want you to know that I'm, the Lord's going to take care of them, and there's going to be this time when every believer is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It sounds amazing. They have tried to dramatize this on TV and in movies. But I tell you, I don't think that we can even give that justice in any way, shape, or form as we think about this moment in history and what uh, is going to happen. Now, as we look at Paul and his, his saying, he challenges us. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who are asleep. For we believe that those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, that the Lord is going to take care of them. And he shows us why. Matter of fact, we're going to drive home three truths, and I'm going to give you three challenges. First truth is this. Jesus' life matters, so you need to believe. Jesus' life matters, so you need to believe. He, he gives the, the essence of, I, I, I want you to know that those that have died in Jesus are going to be taken care of. But notice what he says in, in verse number 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Jesus' life matters because Jesus died and rose. 
His life matters because he is the only one who could purchase our salvation. He is the only one who can bring salvation and forgiveness into our life. See, there are all of us who are going to come from different backgrounds. Some of you may have come to hear about Jesus as a child and now have put your faith in him alone as the only way of salvation. Some of you, maybe not until you were adult, did this really click in your mind. But the truth is, is that the only people that will be in heaven are those that have placed their faith in the death of Jesus for our sin and his resurrection from the dead and have received him to be the savior of their life. So he drives home this truth that Jesus' life mattered because Jesus' life was the only life that could bring salvation and forgiveness and hope and eternal life. Jesus' life mattered. And I would say today, maybe some of you have heard stories about Jesus all of your life, but if you've never come to that place of saying, Jesus, I trust you alone, not what I've done, not good things that I bring to the table, not money that I've given, not works that I've done. Jesus, I trust you alone as the only way of forgiveness and salvation. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be and will be saved. Jesus' life mattered because of his death and resurrection. But notice what he says in verse number 14 as well. He gives this picture in verse 14 into verse 15. That he says in verse 15, Those, th- this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul is saying, look, I'm just not making this stuff up, that God's word really is true. I'm not, Jesus died from, uh, died and rose from the dead. And this is the word of the Lord. This is, this is specifically God's truth. This is the word of, of the Lord as he's speaking to you. God's word really is true. That's what he's driving home. And then he says and shows this, not only that God's word is true, but notice how many times he uses the word sleep. In verse number 13, those who have fallen asleep. Verse number 14 that uh, he says, those who sleep in Jesus. And then verse number 15, he talks about those who sleep. He gives the picture that departed believers are with Jesus. They sleep in Jesus, he says. So that Jesus died and rose again to pay the penalty for our sin. God's word is true and departed believers are with Jesus. They are asleep in Jesus right now. This word sleep is a picture of our physical body that it looks like at that moment of death that it is at rest. There are some that have taken this to mean, hey, that, that we go into a soul sleep or a soul unconsciousness until this day when the Lord resurrects the dead and, and, and there's, there's just this sense of unconsciousness. But can I tell you, as we look at scripture, in Luke chapter 23, When Jesus spoke to the thief that was on the cross, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, today you're gonna take a nap, right? When Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 8 said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He he didn't say, if you're, you're absent from the body, you're just asleep until Jesus comes. And then in Philippians 1.21, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I realize 
For those of us, especially over 50, anytime we can get a nap, it's gain, all right? It is gain, all right? But that's not what he's talking about. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? He's saying to die is gain because I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. There's not soul sleep. We are present with the Lord. So at the moment of death in our life, our physical body, the material part of our life is laid to rest in a place that looks like sleep. But our inner man, our immaterial body, our soul enters into the presence of the Lord. In Luke 16, Jesus gives a parable of a rich man who dies and goes to Hades. He has neglected the things of his spiritual life. He has neglected thinking about the eternal things of life and has missed Jesus. And then it says that there was a poor man, he was a beggar, and he died and he went to Abraham's bosom, a picture of paradise, a picture of heaven. It happened right at the moment of death. So we find that departed believers are with Jesus. We go absent from the body. Our body, our material is still here, this outer shell is still here. This, this vessel, this, this piece of clay, this, this treasure, uh, this, this vessel of clay. But the true treasure is what we are on the inside and Jesus being on the inside. And we enter into the presence of the Lord. We are asleep in Jesus. Our body looks like it's asleep, but we're with the Lord. Jesus, life matters. So if you've never come to a place of recognizing Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty and the punishment for your sin and that he rose again from the dead so that he could offer you forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, today I would call and challenge you, believe, believe, believe in Jesus alone. Jesus' life matters. But secondly, we see in this passage that Jesus' coming matters. So you need to to not just believe, but you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Jesus coming matters. Notice what he says in verse number 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Notice what it says. It says the Lord will return. It actually says the Lord himself will return. Not only do we see that the Lord is going to come, but the Lord himself, Jesus is not going to send an angel. He's not going to send an Old Testament saint, but the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven and he is not going to come to the earth. He's going to touch and stop in the heavens, in a cloud, in the heaven. The Lord himself, that's what it says. And he says, the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a voice, with a voice. There's going to be a voice. This word voice is used as a a, uh, master who is calling out over his ship, the captain of the ship, crying out to his rowers, a voice of authority a voice of power, a voice that they are to be submissive to. There's a voice from heaven coming with all authority. It's as if Jesus, when he cried out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. There's going to be a voice as Jesus begins to descend. Then there's not only going to be a voice, but there's going to be the shout of an archangel. That's what it says. 
There's going to be a voice, and then when this archangel hears that voice, the archangel is going to shout, and then there's going to be a trumpet of God. Now, when we think about trumpets, we think about a royal procession. We think about a fanfare. We think of majesty and royalty and entrance. And here, we have a voice, we have a shout, and then we have the sound of a trumpet. And the Lord returns, and he descends from heaven. And he doesn't come all the way to the earth, but he descends from heaven, and he's on a cloud. The Lord is going to return. Then it tells us that... Dead believers, dead saints are going to be resurrected. Notice what it says in verse number uh, 16. It says, and the dead at the very end, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The resurrection of the body. There's a voice, there's a shout of an archangel. The trumpet of God and the Lord descends from heaven. And it says, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those whose bodies have been laid astrewn on uh, on battlefields and those who have died at sea and those who have been laid in caskets, their body, their physical body, those who have, have been uh, uh, destroyed, whose bodies have been destroyed or or eaten by a shark, their body is going to be put together. Their body is going to be resurrected. At that moment, dead believers are going to come out of their graves. Those whose bodies have been laid to ashes are going to be brought back as they meet the Lord in the air. And then it tells us, and that those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Caught up. That is the word rapture. It is the rapture of believers. The word rapture is, is not in the Bible per se. In Greek, it is the word harpazo. It means to be caught up. It tells us that those who are dead, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then Paul says, and then we who are alive and remain at this moment when Jesus comes, we are going to be caught up. We're going to be snatched. There's going to be an evacuation. There's going to be a a sudden catch up of all of those living believers at that moment. You say, that sounds way weird. Has anything like that ever happened before? Well, if you look back in Genesis chapter 5, you find the story of Enoch. And the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. When we look in, I believe, 2 Kings, we see the story of Elisha who is taken up to heaven in a whirlwind and never experiences death. Is it possible for the Lord to catch someone up? Well, Absolutely. And that's what he's talking about. And that's why we say Jesus is coming. Be ready. We don't know when this is going to take place. We don't know when this is going to happen. We don't have any idea. Maybe it could be today. I really do believe that the the, the believers in Thessalonica were concerned about those who have died because they thought Jesus was going to come during their life. They really thought that. If you look at the writings of Paul, he really thought that Jesus was going to come during his life. As we look through the the record of saints in history, 
And we look and we see there's this imminence and there's this desire and there's this thought that Jesus could come today. I heard David Jeremiah, and David Jeremiah is a senior adult, but believes that if, if he lives a normal life, that he's going to see the coming of Jesus in his day. I don't know. But I do know that we need to be ready. I don't know if I've ever told you about the, uh, the miracle that happened in my childhood. Uh, it happened on a Sunday. And it was a, a true miracle that happened to my, my brother, who, my brother Lee, who's two years younger than me. He, uh, we had gone to church on Sunday morning, and he, uh, it was time for Sunday night church, and he didn't feel good. And so my mom let him stay home. And being the good br- big brother that I am, I volunteered to stay home with him on Sunday night, to, to be home with him on Sunday night church. So I stayed home with him. And then my younger brother, Dale, who's two years younger, he decided he'd stay home too. And then my mom had uh, let one of my sister's boyfriends, who now is my brother-in-law, he stayed home too. And here's the miracle. My parents pulled out of the driveway and he felt better. I mean, it was a miracle. <laughs> I mean, they, they were out of the driveway and it's like, yeah, I think I'm feeling pretty good now. So this is what me and my brothers did. Me and my, my now brother-in-law and my two brothers, we went out in the garage and we played hockey. I mean, the whole time my parents were at church, we played hockey. And uh, this was, you know, in the old days before we had the garage door openers and uh, we lost track of time. And while we lost track of time, uh, my parents pulled up in their car and my dad yanks the bottom of the garage door and kaboom there's me and my two brothers and now you know my brother-in-law Dan and uh we're there we're caught now we knew our parents were going to come home from church but we just lost track of time and we didn't pay attention to when you know there are many today that they'll be ready for Christmas in eight weeks They're ready for the first coming. They'll have their presents wrapped, but they'll never give a thought about being ready if Jesus would come today. There are those who will celebrate and plan and plan out their life, and they'll never plan the spiritual and the eternal. And they won't think about, am I ready today if Jesus would come? See, I believe that just as the prophecies of Jesus and his first coming came true, the prophecies of Isaiah, how a virgin would conceive, the prophecies of Micah, how he would be born in Bethlehem. I I believe that just as the promises of the Old Testament were true in the fulfilling of the Jesus and his first coming, the promise of Jesus and his rapture of the church, the second coming involving the second coming, is going to take place as well. So I have to ask you the question, are you ready? Are you ready? Living believers, are you ready? If Jesus would come today, do you know that you're ready? You get ready by having a personal relationship with Jesus. You know, when someone comes to your house, you clean the house. Or when someone's going to take you somewhere special, you try to to get dressed appropriately and you try to be ready and you try to be on time so that when that person pulls in that you're ready to go with them. But what about our spiritual life? One of these days, you're gonna be face-to-face with the Lord. It might be through Jesus coming or you going, 
but we know that it's going to happen. So I have to ask, are you ready? Living believers will be raptured. He says, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. He caught up together with them. Notice that with me and, and as, as we think about verses 16 and 17. Notice in verse 16, there's the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ rise. We who are alive and remain caught up together with them. Who's the them? Those are the dead believers. Those saints that have gone on before, that have been resurrected, the living believers that are caught up, we're with them so that all believers will experience a reunion at this point. There will be a wonderful and heavenly reunion. All saints are going to be reunited. We're going to be caught up together with them. Do you have somebody that you're waiting for? That you, through death, have laid into a grave and now you're waiting just to see that person again? Living believers, all of us, dead believers, are going to be reunited. There's going to be a happy reunion. All saints, mothers and fathers with their children, grandparents with their grandkids, brothers and sisters, those of you who have had to bury a spouse, there's a picture. We're going to be caught up together with them, and there will be a reunion. I don't know about you, but I can't hardly watch the videos of these military reunions where someone's been deployed for months or a year and they come home and, and they see their wife or they see their, their husband and they see their kids and these kids running up and grabbing their dad or they're grabbing their mom. And there's this, this amazing spark of excitement. This reunion takes place. I can't watch him without crying. It's just so touching, so moving. And oh, what an amazing moment this will be. And the older you live, you're gonna find the more that you grieve because the more friends that, and loved ones you will bury. But it makes it all the sweeter when we think of that day when we'll have a reunion. Do you know why Paul says, I don't, uh, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep lest you grieve as those who do not have hope. Do you know why he's saying we don't grieve as those who don't have hope? Because through Jesus, we have hope. There's going to be a reunion. Jesus coming matters. Be ready. Third thing we find is this. Jesus' presence matters. Be comforted. Notice what he says in verse 17, the end of verse 17 into verse 18. It says that we're going to be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. There's coming a day when the pain and the challenges and the trials and the tragedies of life are going to be history and we will be with the Lord. There's coming a day when the tears will be no more, when the sorrows will be wiped away and we will always be with the 
Lord. There is joy and in his presence is fullness of joy, Psalm 16, 11 tells us. And we will be freed from the very presence of sin and the, the curse and the fall that pervades everything around us and we'll be in the presence of the Lord. And so he's saying, look, through your hardship, church at Thessalonica, through the hardship and the persecution and the trial and the rejection and the antagonism because you're following Jesus. And I would say to you today, no matter what's going on in this world, there is coming a day where you will be with the Lord. Find comfort in it and look forward to it. We'll always be with the Lord. A few weeks ago, we were getting ready for Joel to, to move out of the bedroom and as he and Kayla got married and we were cleaning out his closet and Julie ran across this baby book and she, uh, she read something at dinner and then I thought, well, I'm gonna copy this down. Joel is probably between two and three years old at the, at the time and she wrote this in his baby book. You love Micah and are really sweet to him all the time. Some things do change as kids get a little older. So anyway, now he's, he's, been, he's been a great brother. You love Micah and are really sweet to him all the time. And then she wrote, you are a total daddy's boy. Dad held you all night last night, even though he had to preach this morning. And I thought about that picture and I thought about, man, first off, as a dad, just the privilege of, you know, just holding your kid at night when they don't feel well and allowing them to find comfort in your presence. But then as I thought about that, I thought, what a day it will be when we're in his presence. And all of the pain and all of the sorrow and all of the circumstances and difficulty around us are gone. And we are in the arms of the Lord. And we are worshiping Jesus Face to face. What a day that is going to be. Can I ask you today, are you certain that you're going to experience that kind of day? If you died today, do you know for certain that the Lord Jesus is in your life and that you've been forgiven and that you have eternal life? Have you placed your faith and trust in him alone? There's coming a day when we'll meet him face to face. But those who don't know him will be cast aside and they'll hear these words, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you know that you know him?